We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle of people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster and I am I am recently back from New Mexico. I was in Santa Fe. It's the second time this year, What's, actually, and I've got at least one more trip planned to Santa Fe because I do lots of things that are consequential and great and exciting. But I'll tell you, there are a few things that I do that are more interesting than getting together with Michael Moynihan and Matt Welch to record this fabulous podcast for you fabulous people. Um, and I mean, I mean that, I mean that all of you, even the people who hate listen to this podcast simply mm-hmm. so that they can get grist for their mill so that they can target their, their ire in, in my general direction. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please download the podcast again um, one more time to boost the download numbers and then send it to your friends. Send it to your friends, and I think it'll do wonders for them. We do get some hate listens. Yes, we do. I just, I I just came across an email, because um, these all come in, and I don't get to see many of them, but I was looking for something in my get Gmail. Get to see. That's how often I like, this I like the up. get to see. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I mean, it's, I'm not, it's not deliberate. I'm not trying to do it. Uh, you know? Yeah. It's like, I just see it. I'm like, oh, it's like flipping the channel. I'm like, oh, that's on. I'll watch that for a second. And, uh, um, and I saw one about my clarification when I was talking about the RFK stuff. Oh, my God. And I clarified, and I said, well, you know, if I didn't you know, get it exactly right, this is what I was trying to say, but I think I did. Uh, and someone wrote in and was like, you know, Moynihan's apology was insufficient. I was like, well, first of all. Was it an apology? It wasn't an apology. <laughs> and second of all, whatever concessions I made, I take them back. <laughs> I take them back. It's w- whatever I said was awesome and the best thing I've ever said. It's weird. And if you disagree with me, you're probably a Nazi. I was, uh, I was driving up uh, uh, to Rhinebeck this weekend uh, today. Uh, we're recording this on Friday and, uh, you know, you drive uh, along the horrible FDR, uh, super highway in Manhattan and you see the, uh, uh, the signs for not the Triborough bridge, which is what it is. Yeah, they are, yeah. It is now an RFK, RFK bridge. bridge. And I just suddenly, ha- it's, it's RFK junior. I, bridge what, too. I was going <laughs> you know so that? slow in yeah. traffic that I was like, fuck, I wish I had a, a can of spray paint. I would totally tag yeah, junior on junior. there. Let's just do yeah. it. Own yeah. it, everyone. Yeah. I don't know about that bridge, but I think it's probably. Yeah, I don't know. Did you? Did you? T- <laughs> I love the names. That happens all the time in New York, by the way. Does this happen in other states? People can t- write it and tell us. Like you turn around and you're like, it's like the Mario Cuomo uh, rest stop. Like everything changes with like shitty New York politicians. Uh-huh. Uh, like every time I turn I around. Think that- but yeah, the thing is, it's weird now because you have to have a perfect record, like a perfect record. You can't have ever made one like bum racial comment like every New York mayor has done. Everyone. Like at one time in his every life. Every single Everyone. one. It's a New York thing because it's a cauldron of, of, you know, ethnicities and races. And in the past, it was like, I mean, look at Ed Koch. And, you know, you're probably going to get your name taken off something these days if you're, if you're not perfect. So I just think I'm going to go around and find the people who aren't and then try I to think the them. rule should be um, <laughs> simply you can't name it after a, you shouldn't name it after a politician in general. You should name it after like 
Debbie Harry. <laughs> the Debbie Harry yeah. bridge across the Tappan yeah. Z. Uh, he probably like hates trans people or something. <laughs> but like, yeah, I was like, women are women. The politicians like, okay, should be safely dead and the people renaming them should not be their direct relatives. If you just stuck to that, yeah, yeah. we'd already get rid of so many different namings. It's, uh, it's terrible. The, uh, the worst example of that in Los Angeles, where I'm from, was a guy who I liked and at some point kind of uh, collaborated with uh, the former mayor, Richard Reardon. Um, he, who died uh, a couple months ago, he uh, really, really wanted the library to be named after him. And the naming convention there was like, of course you wait until someone's dead. He's like, yeah, I know. But... Wait, he wanted to be named after himself? Yeah. Uh, and he didn't do it, but like he leaned on the people to make sure. So they named the LA Downtown Library, which is an amazing place with amazing history like uh in the same way the new york public library has this incredible history and it's an inspiring place yeah. the la downtown library has its own i mean bukowski john I mean, but isn't it just the homeless shelter at this yes, point of course so that's yeah like okay. like all <laughs> i just want to be yeah. sure because there are still books yeah, we, but no one is uh, reading yeah. them are any of those homeless people in there matt great writers <laughs> have you ever just come across one and be like oh you're a great essay I mean, probably a bukowski lot of them was? these days went ahead <laughs> bukowski wasn't exactly over housed <laughs> unless you called the yeah. los alamitos Uh, home which i do but anyways uh yeah speaking of overhoused um and this is this is Is only tangentially related is that (laughs) i mean you can be overhoused of course underhoused and unhoused do people say underhoused i don't know do they? Is that it? Or did you just make that up? I kind of did, but uh, I think he made. I, I think never, he made up overhoused. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Underhoused. <laughs> overhoused is like is like a Kardashian. You got like a like a house in like different parts of the country. My, I've definitely houses, heard right? unhoused. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. That is the new yeah, euphemism for homeless. Unhoused. But it, but like I sometimes know. you like yeah. you're housed some of the time. You're not housed all the time. You're, kinda, uh, you're yeah, kind of no, you're kind of underhoused. Should be a thing. Yeah. It's fine. Wait, having what? too few houses inadequately housed. No, underhoused is, is a thing. I think we dedicate this episode to the underhoused. But, but we how, should. like, other people don't want that get a house and then lose it during the week and then get it back later in the week? Sure. That could happen. That happened. I guess you happen. haven't been hanging sure. out Brian Park too much recently over there in well, East End. See, the thing is, if you, go to the, if you go to the shelter, right? Yeah, no, we don't have homeless people out here. We don't. We just <laughs> Right, where you um, are. Yeah. No, I mean, if you do, you just throw them in the ocean. Right. Um, if, oh if, what? I'm not, I don't make the policies. I just observe them. Um, <laughs> it's so wasteful. Like if you, if you, if you live at the shelter, right? Uh, the homeless shelter. And then you're not in the shelter because you feel like doing drugs for a couple of days or something. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know how people do this. The, that's not housed. You're not. Do you consider that housed? Like I'm underhoused because I'm housed. Because I always think of no, houses think, like having your own place. I think underhoused. I think you're homeless if you if you live in a shelter. No, I think underhoused uh, suggests that this is someone who is field, perhaps you know? living with like a fa- a, fa- a friend or like couch surfing between friends mm-hmm. and occasionally is having to sleep in a car or something like yeah. that. We, yeah, you we, have we no might house. just say that person's underhoused. Homeless. You're homeless. I actually don't think. I think it's probably better for us to just generally refer to all of those people collectively as homeless. Yes and no. Because it it actually amplifies or derailing the the nature of the problem we're trying to take care of. But surely... tell me, what is is Especially Mr. Moynihan should know that, like, uh, if you are a 23-year-old or a 19-year-old in bushwick back sure. in the day okay. or in hollywood you're kind of a gutter punk you're kind of doing your couch surfing are you homeless kind of that's fair i reverse my i reverse my perspective kinda, you're but right also about that you're sort of we like, should probably differentiate yeah. 
Why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we get a new category? Because they're always making new new words unhoused <laughs> and different. Here comes the plus. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Um, Transhoused. What I'm what I'm thinking that we say. Jesus. It's like friends with benefits. It's like homeless with friends. Mm. If you're homeless with friends, you can you can stay on couches and things. Huh. In, in people's spare rooms, and then people get annoyed with you, and then you're unhoused again. So you're homeless again. So you're homeless with I friends. Just, it know? sounds like underhoused to me. I feel like you know. Yeah, I don't underhoused is dumb. It's not huh. your house. It's your friend's house. That's well, why you're homeless with friends. <laughs> this is not the tangent that I wanted to get us to. I was going Dude, to. This is why this podcast is one of the top <laughs> yeah. political podcasts in the country. It's true. it's true because we tackle questions that we didn't even expect to tackle. That's Two right. minutes you into know? the broadcast, we're like. We've solved the the nomenclature issue with, with, right. with homelessness, which is actually the the, the critical, yeah. vital cornerstone issue with respect to homelessness. Whether or not people actually have places to sleep, matter. that are homes, yeah. doesn't really matter. We got what we call them. them yep. That yep. is all important. Hundred percent true. And, <laughs> war, and, and the and, war on metaphors continues. One hundred percent. And I am going to try to win that war right now by saying yes. we just call them bums. No. <laughs> that used to be. Our, well, we used to call them that, and it was it was. It was this like, is originalism. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm an originalist. I'm the Scalia of this conversation. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I I was gonna, ho- there's hobos. Hobos have a we code. Never, I don't think we ever talked. bombs. Yeah. They ride trains. <laughs> they don't do like, Camille, like don't laugh. meth or It's absolutely They're true. Hobos have a code. No, it's the I'm, hobo not, code. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. There's a documentary about hobos. Go look it up. True. Yeah. I mean, well, no, he had a home. But yeah. Mayor Adams... I don't think he's we homeless? ever talked about. No, he's not homeless. But there oh. was a presser in um, in New York back towards the end of the month, just before the Fourth of July. I remember um, where some member of the public, an angry older woman, like stood up and she is wagging her finger and she's berating him. Mm-hmm. And he's at the table there with a bunch of other uh, officials, and she's criticizing him because rents are higher which is a typical conventional problem yes. in New York. In fact, I've heard it said that the rents are too damn high. Yes. Uh, and she's essentially talking about that problem and describing it. And his response to it was absolutely masterful. He didn't respond yeah. to what she had to say at all. He tone policed. And while tone yes. policing, <laughs> went on to say, you don't wag your finger at me. You show me respect, the respect due to someone in my office. And you don't talk to me like I am working on some plantation that you own. Oh! <laughs> which... <laughs> It's the weird the savagery, did, the race card, and I've answered your question is how he answers how he ends that, which, which is just answer, like what a miraculous interaction and, and what a testament a to the quality of our, our current politics. He is quite a historian if he thinks yeah. that slave masters were just pointing at people. That's <laughs> <laughs> just speaking harshly doing. to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're yelling I mean, at what you. What are you, a plantation owner? He's like, no, 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 that's not how that worked. Uh, but I love this headline. I had to pull it up. The Politico headline. Uh, and and this is important to the, the... This woman is like a tenant activist, too. She's been doing this for a very long time. This is the headline in Politico. Mayor Eric Adam doubles down on comparing Holocaust survivor to plantation owner. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> it was revealed that she was America. a Holocaust survivor. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the uh, news about Eric Adams... It's yeah. not like she can't be filled with white supremacy, though, Michael Moynihan. If Asian people can be allies of white supremacy, as we've learned mm-hmm. this week, if you've learned mm-hmm. anew um, or perhaps been reminded... Um, then this this older Holocaust survivor can also believe that she owns a plantation filled with uh, mayors of New York. 
Oh, that's an old one, though, because remember that after the Second World War, when a number um, of uh, Jews uh, relocated to the newly found state of Israel in 1948, it was. It didn't take long for the next twenty years for all of them to be compared to Nazis. Uh, so that's that's <laughs> it a was pretty immediate, pretty common in thing. Fact. Yeah, yeah, it was immediate. Uh, the yeah, it was immediate. Uh, Adams news from today or this late this week, uh, which is fantastic, is that um, uh, it's been revealed that this this picture oh, yes. that he kept in his wallet of a cop who was shot or something on on the beat. It was all like uh, it was sort of like stained with age because he's had it in his wallet. It, like no, it was stained because he poured coffee on it or AIDS poured coffee on it on purpose to After make it look what? like. Oh, you didn't see this? <laughs> no, because <laughs> he said this in a speech. He was like, "This man was my partner, or my, not my? He wasn't his partner. He was like my buddy, and he was killed in line of duty. And I've kept this image of him in my wallet, and it was revealed that he week. told AIDS to." <laughs> To print it out and then age it, um, literally like your like your the Hitler diaries or something. You're trying to print it on old paper and age it, and a bunch of people. And so when they were asked about it, the mayor's spokesman did not deny it, and said something to the effect of, "Well, he has had one. It might not have been that one though. He just he just lost the previous one or there's, something." There is there is something to be said about. Um, if you're going to lie about anything uh, so bra- you're going to li- lie in such a way that is so crazy and brazen and self-serving and just like w- there's, there's no conscience at play in that in that kind of lie. I'm going to <laughs> instruct humans to spill coffee on a thing to show that I have hashtag I care um, to further my political career. You have to your your heart has to grow Ten times too small that day, every day, the day before, the ten years before. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That's not a human response to anything. If you're going to lie about something like mm-hmm. that, um, politicians, uh, you're a bad person, and you shouldn't be in office, even if you agree with every <laughs> single thing that I want to have happen. Uh, I can't stress that enough. And this is very true of Donald Trump. It's very true of other people. Oh, at this point, like Biden, is it lies? Is it is it like he's been telling the same story for seventy five years? Is it uh, onset of dementia? Um, uh, who knows? But like that type of like, I'm no, I'm going to lie that my fucking face off right now. I'm looking at you. Uh, I'm going to lie my face off that way is uh, is so grotesque. And you just have to have a, a some amount of like civic citizen self-respect to say, OK, nope, not him. Um, and, and I think it, it illustrates no, yeah, and, the problem and, and, of, uh, of Adams. He's a protest candidate against the progressive excesses of New York City. Which is something that, you know, brought George Santos into office and a bunch of other brought, you know, Congress to Republican control in many respects. But that was it. It was just it was a recall vote. It was not a vote for something proactively new to do anything worth a good goddamn about it. And he is uh, a poster child for that. Nothing to his mayorality at all, as far as I can tell. And he is a sociopath. Fuck him. What is the, I love that implication when he told the staffers to do that. Was the implication that he's often in diners drinking coffee, staring at a picture of his friend? (laughs) (laughs) Just periodically (laughs) spills coffee on it? It's like, that's not the normal wear and tear. That's actually what we do in our culture, Moynihan. You pour (laughs) one out for the homies. That's what you do. I didn't know you did that with Sanka, too. I thought it was just 445. Any any beverage will do. Any (laughs) beverage will do. 
Yes. Yeah, I pour one on my picture for my yeah, dead homies. Yeah. But it must yeah. be in a 40 of some sort. So a 40 yes. ounce of coffee, this is fine. Yeah. A 40 <laughs> ounce flat white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, uh, but I love it with the, with the lying stuff. I mean, we, this is, these people are all celebrated as great citizens too. When you do, I mean, look at Karine Jean-Pierre this week when talking about the um, cocaine oh, business. What we should do we have to? to. Oh. But it was amazing because she was like, look, this is, I'm offended by the question. No. And it was like somebody from the New York nope. Post that She's asked, always offended, offended by the question. Yes. The, and she said, you know, the Bidens, they weren't even here. They weren't here Friday, they weren't here Saturday, they weren't here Sunday, and they weren't here Monday. And it turns out they were there Friday, and they left at 6.30, which, by the way, is enough time to do a ton of coke in the morning. But, like, in Biden, like, I mean, and, you know, we get used to his lies and the fence. We kind of get used to Trump's, but they were constantly pointed out to us, um, as they should be by people in the media. The, the, the Biden ones just don't really bite with people. The, the Adams one was just too ridiculous. And, 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 you know, the New York media hates Adams. Yeah. Because, you know, he is, no matter how progressive he gets in his rhetoric, he did, as Matt pointed out, um, uh, prevent a progressive candidate from winning uh, the mayoral race. So they don't forgive that. But, you know, Biden, the same thing. It's not you don't get much attention to that. I mean, the lies we've had the conversation on this podcast before were never resolved, by the way. Or are these lies, deliberate lies, or is he just 700 years old? Because Mm -hmm. I expect... Like tomorrow, like when asked about this cocaine stuff, he'll say like, you know, my son Hunty, who died of a cocaine overdose in Iraq or something. Like he'll, and oh, people will be like, what? Is that a lie? Like, no, no, no. He's just doesn't no, know. He's one of those like minority report precogs now. He, he's yeah, in the yeah, future. Yeah. He, never, exactly. he never tells a lie about his. Pre-hunter crime. He never tells a lie about his granddaughter. Does he? Yeah, Except yeah, Except for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Okay. What? Yeah, we, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this because there's Except no. We should, I want to talk about this. There's a couple things. To talk, well, that's a lie. Um, yeah. There's there's a couple things to talk about. So, I want to talk about this Hunter Biden situation. But I, actually, this is wrong. It's the wrong way to frame it. I'm suggesting well, he is the guilty culprit here. There was cocaine found in the White House. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the cocaine was found in the White House on like Sunday mm-hmm. by the Secret Service. So, at some point before Sunday, the cocaine ends up in the White House. Now, the controversy since then, I mean, one, I've been a little bit surprised to see just how persistent the coverage of this has been. And it's not just Fox News that is covering this. MSNBC and CNN all have an interest in this. And the press has actually been asking about this. And people have been surprised that the Secret Service hasn't been able to figure out what the fuck is going on here. Because it is in a secure area. And maybe they have. But the thing that I find interesting is even as the controversy has sort of played out, when I'm watching people uh, comment on it on uh, online, I keep seeing them posting this video of Hunter Biden uh, on one of the balconies at the White House with the, the rest of the, the first family, like just kind of enjoying the fireworks. And Hunter rubs his nose and sort of does some other weird gestures. And I'm like, oh, my God, look at him. He's so high. He's so high. Like, obviously, he's the one who brought the coke in. And that would have been Tuesday night, right? That's July 4th. They found the cocaine mm-hmm. on Sunday. I suspect that if you are a crack addict or using cocaine, and let's just say that if he's upgraded to cocaine from crack, that's progress, and we Good should call Hunter Biden. Good for we him. We should, because crack, crack is, is whack. Disgusting. Crack that's is cheap. Whack. We don't yes. do crack. No, that's Occasionally, 
yeah. occasionally a little bit of nose candy is fine. You're, you're traipsing around the White House. You better have some fucking coke in your pocket. Damn right. That's Damn right. Crack is for the mayor's office in D.C. So we should applaud his progress if that's him. Um, but we don't actually know that that's him. And that video Bitch, is not terribly up. is not evidence of much. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. The one on the balcony? Dude, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, the worst fucking thing about Twitter, and, yeah. and this is, I, I, maybe I was a resident expert on, on cocaine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I just, <laughs> I've, I've heard about it. I've heard about yeah. it. I've, I've listened. <laughs> I've seen. I've, I've studied it. I've seen people yes. talk about it. Yes. But on, on Journalistically. Twitter, yeah. Journalistically. I just, I yeah. wrote a long story about it. It was never published, but I, <laughs> trust me, I'm going. Um, <laughs> I had to research it. Deep cover. So, yeah. whatever. It's not Investigative reporting. Yeah. So um, I haven't Gonzo switched journalism. to uh, like what is it like Facebook snatches or whatever it's called <laughs> the new one. The new one. Um, so I, was, I, I opened I opened Twitter and you know it has that it starts you off in that tab for you yeah. uh-huh. like and it's like all the shit that they stupidly thinks that I want and it's always that fucking guy in Malaysia named Ian Miles Chong or oh, something. Right. Yeah. yeah, I get a lot and of this too. Yeah, they really want they, me to like that. Yeah, they want me to like this idiot, but I don't like this idiot. <laughs> but he was like, "See, there was there he was doing a bump." I'm like, "Dude, that's not how that works." He's like walking by and like in the background, he like you know touches his nose. Like I don't know, he's got an itch or a sniffle, and it's like, "No, that's what he like." He was using the cool language. He was saying he did a bump. I'm like, "I'm sorry, where is he balancing that cocaine on his hand as he walks, and then just putting up his nose in full view of his entire family and the press corps?" And everyone's like, yeah, no, that's totally him. And then he runs his hand through his hair. It's like, oh, yeah, look at him. He's out of his mind. It's like, I, I don't, that was not, um, I'll just say that wasn't convincing uh, Coke behavior. And it showed a lot of people that were very excited about this who didn't really understand the Coke behavior. That's not what happened. What could we, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, theory, running, running bumps on your hand is weird. Well, if, if we like had uh, a video of someone, anyone really, who was, Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 on cocaine on July 4th in the White House, yeah. what would we expect that person to look like? Because I don't really have a lot of Theoretically, report, just on, reportorial I mean, I know experience just, on, on, yeah. uh, on, the, uh, on the drug, but what, what, what could we expect? Yeah, mm-hmm. let me ask chat GPT. Yeah. Okay, I got an answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's fast. It's the job. So fast. It's the job. Oh, the job moves. The job moves okay. yep. mm, Michael's the doing the, like, the, the North. Does Kamala do a lot of that? That. No, she. <laughs> did saying, you send that video of the kid, of the child? Yeah, yeah. That's the, oh, is that, of the child is that actually a Babylon yeah, the Bee thing that, that is produced? That is a Babylon Bee. That is actually, actually yeah, funny. It's funny. So I'll give them. I'll give them. We should put that, this in the show. Yeah, the video. Jesus. The video. Yeah, explain. Yeah. yeah, the video is of uh, a young man who may be five or six years old, and it opens with him explaining that he is Kamala Harris's speechwriter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the advice it's, that he received from his fine. parents once um, was that if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. And he explains mm-hmm. that he's always been in love with words. And he, he shares a number of his favorite uh, lines or, or um, phrases that he has crafted and placed into the prompter so that the, the vice president of the United States could read them and sound completely incoherent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's it's but it's kind of remarkable because his delivery. I mean, it's just great. I mean, to the extent that's acting, and I'm sure it is because he's not actually it's her speechwriter. Yeah. It's yeah. really high quality yeah. acting, and it's very <clears throat> he's very believable. Uh, for a Did, moment have there, there been have there been any um, 
Sorry, back to the cocaine yeah. thing. Um, Strange. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> yeah, the kid isn't doing cocaine. Lot, Michael's yeah, like yeah. scratching something yeah. off but camera. Kamala, right now, I mean, she's not... talking about school buses and yeah, Venn yeah, diagrams. I'm just cutting up some lines. For science. I'm cutting exactly like Hunter Biden did in the video, by the way. Seriously, that's what he just did. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> Hunter's, Hunter's uh, uh, paintings, those are cocaine paintings. They're not like acid paintings. Oh. They're not like, you know, psychedelic paintings because they're just like really shitty and mm. like, you know, very, like very strenuous. You can tell that like he's, he's, he's assaulting that brush. He's not, a, he's not a good painter, by the way. Very, very bad painter. But have there been any conspiracy theories out there in the, I guess in the, it would be the MSNBC universe that that cocaine was planted mm. I've to make heard. Hunter look bad. I've ha- seen people suggest as much. I've seen yeah. that. You don't yeah. have to. I mean, no, no try one too hard. Reputable, but yeah. you don't have to try too hard. Yeah, uh, but it's this is easy to find out. By the way, I think the con- it's easy the to biggest find out. conspiracy theory. Who, who's cocaine? It's actually was. not about Hunter Biden, although that's all cameras everywhere. That's also Nobody one knows. of them. <laughs> but it's kind of the Kamala Harris thing. I was just like was thinking about this watching this video, which went around, you know, mostly conservative Twitter. And she so she was sitting down and saying, you know, in that head nodding and smiling thing that she does in interviews, like we have to, you know, every day. Um, with the culture and just affirm it yes. in the morning, like just like going yeah. on for 45 seconds like this. None of it <laughs> yeah. made sense. And just like smiling and, like a bad and occasionally people clap <laughs> and you, and you, and you can see like, like just behind her smiling eyes, she's just dying inside. Like it's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. horrible panic. You think she's thinking no, it's, like, it's I'm painful. Really to it's painful. It's yeah. really painful. It's terrible at this um, but the conspiracy theory is it, this is, obviously the funniest shit going right now like hunter biden yeah. is pretty funny but he's so over the top it's kind of hard to figure out how to do it of course kyle dunnigan is going to do it perfectly yeah. well um because he actually will do political comedy that's funny um but like like hunter biden he's all on video he's sliding down the slide he's got he's yeah, driving yeah. 172 he's smoking crack yeah. he's got the russian hooker he's like it leaving nothing left to the imagination but kamala harris is out there saying the most stupid fucking shit just banal pablum yeah. um and it's not a topic of like constant humor like right like dan no. quayle how many fucking jokes on dan quayle because he fucked up potato or whatever he said in 1988 and also his eyes looked a little bit um kind of you know dreamy and young and he seemed a little bit inexperienced yeah. com- compared to the field of politicians back then um my god the dan quayle to kamala harris joke ratio is an indictment of everything i think in american life was it he, it was it was potato, it was potato. Right? And, and, and he put an e it would put it was an e in spelling yeah and donald trump yeah. well has he, more i mean it's, 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 not, on. It's, not com- it's not completely wrong considering that it one more letter and it would be plural, yeah yeah right there's an e in the plural so so i'll just give him a little bit but yeah donald trump can't like he, he, he's literally having a stroke every time he goes to Truth Social because it's I'm trying to figure out there must be some AI thing that can figure out like what the pattern to his capitalizations are. They're just totally <laughs> random. It's like German, like some like, wait, why is that capitalized? It's like, oh, the word. but but I'm trying to figure out like Kamala Harris is just you can't do that, Matt, for you know why reason 
to attack her is you're attacking the first woman of color who's been the vice president and that is not cricket she is so hilariously funnily stupid like it's the greatest she's just not, fail up she's just story not in american political history right. name me anyone who has failed yeah. up who's never been a good retail politician ever at any stage of her life and has gone from da to attorney general to vice president senator to vice president it's amazing it's and hilarious right. it's she, the crazy thing is she ran for president and dropped out before she could lose her home. She was state, terrible at it. Is, <laughs> she was so bad at it. Yeah, she's terrible. But so okay, so I want to take I want to take some bets Uh-oh. here. Mm. Listeners, you can chime in on this. And this is the whose cocaine is mm-hmm. it bet. Um, <laughs> uh, you could do something crazy, like be like, I don't know, maybe Elaine Chow was visiting the White House and mm, you know, that's pretty good. she just dropped it or something. She Could be like Elaine Chow. Yeah. Uh, maybe Pete Buttigieg. Um, mm. You know, he's got mm. a lot. You know, Tony Blinken, he's, he's got a long day when he's flying to Ukraine. I think he probably needs a little bump. Yeah. I don't know. Or is it the guy who wrote the anonymous book, like that level of staffer? <laughs> Not uh, Joe Klein, but the recent anonymous book. I don't appreciate that. No, but everyone seems to presume that it couldn't be Joe Biden's. Like I could totally mm. see Joe Biden like just doing a couple of lines. I mean, totally. we, what we would With do is we presume like because there are times Father, where he's son, just got some extra pep in his step. Like I've always wondered, like how does he get ready for the State of the Union when he has to stay up past like ten or eleven o'clock at night and shake hands and give a speech and be engaged? It's the cocaine. Like that's yeah. what it is. He's yeah. obviously been doing He's cocaine. Cocaine. Cocaine yeah, Joe. It's, yeah, yeah. It's cocaine Joe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. I'm, okay, so you're betting you Joe. It makes me. Res- it makes me respect him. It makes Do you me think that would more. come out, Camille? If they, if like the Secret Service was like, "What the fuck?" And they're looking at the video and it's like Joe shaking and like yeah. walking in the wrong direction, <laughs> dropping his coke everywhere. He actually has no yes. like dementia or old man disease at all. He's no. just a fucking cokehead. He's just high. He, he get he get a bump in the pulse. You get a bump <laughs> in the, the pulse. The thing is, that's not pun is intended. A bump yes. in the pulse. But um, <laughs> but I was actually know, not intended. But yes, not it intended. Is. <laughs> but no, 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 that was not true, Matt. Because if you if you were coked up, you'd be like really focused and talking really mm-hmm. fast and like build, build yeah, some cabinets. Sense. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so you should do more coke, is what you're saying. Like, hundred yeah. percent. I would be happy. I would be proud of America if that was. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Oh, this is so off so, the rails. I don't care. So, honestly. Uh, so what? Someone did coke and they left it. Right, so, just, so Camille is. It's definitely uh, cocaine, Joe. Uh, what's the Moynihan vote? Mm-hmm. Is it Hunty, or are you going to go? Is it an inside job? I think it's one of Hunter's friends. Okay. That came in, to, mm, came into that, the White that House makes on sense. like a day pass kind of thing. That actually makes sense to me too. And was like, and, and was like bringing it to hunt, to hunt. Yeah. And like they were going to do a couple bumps in the bathroom. That makes do you remember sense. Remember, like the the um, wh- who was the one that was like, I smoked weed in the White House. Was that Willie Nelson? It was Willie Nelson? Yeah, who on the it? balcony of the White it was House. Nelson. Uh, with yeah, 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 with Jimmy yeah. Carter, right? No, no, not with him, but, but like yeah, he was Carter at, at his invite. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah great american who like um, went on hospice care and just is never gonna die <laughs> just spent, yeah it's unbelievable he's like building houses for palestinians <laughs> yes, right now he's like, he's on cocaine stop. cocaine jimmy on cocaine um yeah cocaine hasn't snoop snoop dog uh, claims that he smoked mitch. weed in the uh, in the bathroom at a white at the white house yeah i mean would you i don't do you want to live true, in an america in which that it. is not true i don't i don't yeah. i don't i don't he smoked weed in my office one time um, yeah 
at Vice, at the old office. The, Is that um, right? Yeah, and I was trying to go inside. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the, the um, not the original office, but kind of the original office. Mm-hmm. And I went and there was a huge guy standing in front of the door and he like, wouldn't let me in. And I was like, dude, I fucking work here. And he was like, oh, okay. And he was like a huge, like massive, like bodyguard guy. And I opened the door and there's these really steep stairs up to the office and it just stunk like weed. And I was like, oh, I guess just off the rails. And Snoop was in there just it's blazing. Just blazing. Wow. No, like no one's going to tell him to stop, right? Not at all. Martha Stewart is it's not like Dave Chappelle stop. goes to, like Dave Chappelle goes to the cellar He's going to start smoking on stage and no one's going to be like, hey, you know, smoking's not allowed in, in New York clubs. He's like, it's tri- go ahead. So, so my, yeah. my vote for oh my the God. cocaine conspiracy is that it's an inside job. It's the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. No, it's the Secret Service. Oh. They found it. Ooh. And either it was someone who after the last eight years is just like, fuck it. I need, I need anything to help me feel again in this life. Um, or... Um, <laughs> they were trying to plant it. I, I, I want the, I have I a want the lost cocaine version story. of it. Lost cocaine yeah. story. What? Well, sorry, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I trying to find cocaine. Um, <laughs> it's, your mic's cutting out. No, it's not. Um, I have a lost cocaine story that does not involve me. I promise. Mm-hmm. I swear that I cannot tell. What? And I just want you listeners to know that it's amazing, and you're not going to hear it. No, <laughs> no. Involves, That's not good audio. Involves, <laughs> um, I can't. I mean, I could cut out the fact that I know it, but I okay. Then I won't tell you guys either, and then and nobody knows. How about that? <laughs> Except for the person who might that be listening. Seems suboptimal. Who it happened to. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. It involves a political figure too, and it's it's a, a major political figure, and it's pretty amazing. But so, <laughs> like, I like that we have stories like that. The, was it the political figure who lost the cocaine, or someone who works with nope him or her. someone who works okay. for him? That's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And by him, yeah. I mean genderless I yeah don't know. it's Could be definitely anybody. not but someone definitely who worked him. for john mccain in 2008 would not have <laughs> yeah. lost the no, cocaine. It actually, <laughs> no it's actually it actually isn't it actually isn't um that's plausible, that's so but, it plausible isn't. No. but in this Very in this plausible. case not true i do yeah. i do like I do like that yeah. none of us suspect that, that Hunter Biden uh, is the owner of the cocaine. And again, I, don't think I think so. this is this is a man who could afford cocaine and preferred crack. And that's <laughs> yes. just the kind of guy he is. I know. Right? It's just the kind of guy he is. I don't expect him to change. He's smoking in crack regard. in a $130,000 Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> I just a like $15 it. $15 rock. I just like it. <laughs> it's just the kind of guy I am. You know? Hey Camille, you listen. <laughs> he's just, like, he's just like me. Joe. He's just like yeah. Joe Biden. It's the yeah. same. Yeah. You know, he's just yeah. he's an, he's an every man. Can't yeah. help it's it. Like, I love the way it hits me, man. It's great. Yeah. Cocaine is just a little. Too, I mean, come on. It's a little too pretentious. <laughs> I haven't been listening much to the rapist music. I don't know why he the, sounds like Nicholas. The last for, uh, thirty years, Camille. But like, uh, is that long last Hunter Biden? At least some character that shows up in a positive light of someone who's just fucking going for it um in any kind of uh hip-hop songs yeah i haven't seen that yet and and, like, I, and we're joking a bit yeah but I'll, I'll tell you that until i read this story was it in the in the times yesterday or today sent it around to you guys. about the, the story about um about hunter biden's daughter not being recognized um, by the president who, of the united states as his granddaughter the family is not recognizing oh, the president yeah, of the yeah, united yeah. states insisting that you know i've got six grandchildren not seven um he's never met this little girl who's uh several years old now apparently there yeah. was just a, a a 
potential trial that was getting ready to start and they got together and uh, according to the baby mama uh, her explanation is that they kind of reasoned together and made an arrangement and decided on uh, an agreement where Hunter would pay some undisclosed amount of money and give um, the his daughter several paintings of his uh, of her choosing uh, and apparently some of his paintings have been <laughs> priced wait, at around five hundred thousand dollars wait i'm sorry are you serious that's part of the deal yeah yeah this is actually to give him his shitty paintings it's like she, God, he gets several she gets several several paintings this is not so unusual I, I, sometimes paintings? when folks have have means um they will there will be these arrangements when they're the settlements are, are reached where you'll get, like, say, royalties on the album. I remember Marvin Gaye, uh, when he got divorced from Anna Gordy, Barry Gordy's sister, Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had to give her royalties from his upcoming, from a next album. And the next album was uh, Here, My Dear, which was <laughs> Here, My Dear to Anna. Um, and the album is filled with songs that are just preposterous, over-the-top um, songs about her and the relationship that he insists she destroyed um, although he was, of course, sleeping around. Um, she might have been as well, but he was doing it a hell of a lot more aggressively. Uh, so, yeah, that was the arrangement. But what I found kind of galling, um, and not kind of galling, but galling, is not just Hunter's behavior um, in the situation. It's, you know, he's throwing some money at, at them. It sounds like several hundred thousand dollars, maybe something. I think 700000 was the number that was referenced there in terms of the money that had already been given. Um, but just the notion that this child's grandfather, the president of the United States has not met this child or had any sort of relationship with them, that there is apparently some kind of political dynamic there. And that's unfortunate for this kid, but I just have a really hard time imagining myself as a godfather. I mean, as a, as a grandfather and not ever making an effort to meet the offspring of my of my kid. And Karine Jean-Pierre has been asked about this, hasn't she? And won't talk about it. Like so many other things. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. so many other things involving the family, which I suppose I could understand on some level, but I probably wouldn't leave it alone. (laughs) You keep asking about it because it's important. I mean, this is central to the Joe Biden appeal that he's family oriented, that family is first, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But apparently not so much. I mean, whether it's politically relevant or not, and, you know, I I do find that um, Republicans have been um, overly hunter-obsessed before the goods came in, right? This was, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have hearings and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And And progressives have been particularly disinclined to talk about hunter. Yeah, of course. Even even when it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And there's smoke there, so they should look into this, et cetera. But I just want to say, and we should be on the record for, for this is that Hunter Biden is an absolute piece of shit, like a fucking piece of trash. And there are a couple of uh, reasons that I say this. You know, his descent into drug addiction, I don't, I don't you know, I, I, that's not a thing for me. I mean, it happens to people, it happens to good people, it happens to bad people. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't demand that you are categorized as someone hideous and horrible if you do that. Mm-hmm. But beyond the fact that his, you know, he has a relationship with his dead brother's wife, uh, that is something that I think is unconscionable. Okay, fine. Maybe they fell in love, but it doesn't appear that that 
happened. The child thing is so crazy mm-hmm. because there were messages on Hunter ba- uh, Biden's laptop that showed that this woman in very, very sweet language and not threatening at all, like not like you better do this, was like, hey, this is the due date. I uh, hope all's well. This is how these messages oh. go. No response. Oh. Hey, I, I, this is what's going on. Like, hey, just want to say this. Like, I, you know. I, I hope I hope everything's okay. But and then there's one like, okay, so you probably don't want to talk to me. I get it. But blah blah. And she's totally reasonable the whole time. And then the messages that you see that mention her is the fact that he had, she claimed to not have any recollection of who this woman was, but she was on the company payroll, mm-hmm. on his company's payroll. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there is a message in which he says like. It, after she gives birth, like, make sure she's off the insurance. Yeah. It's, you crushed it's like, the insurance after the baby was born. Took it is like, you are such a fucking wow. scumbag to wow. do stuff like that. Beyond to not ever meet your child. I, you know, as you guys both have children, as I do, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea of that makes, I just, I don't even understand it. I don't get it in yeah. any way. And, you know, it's not like you're, uh, you know, a penniless 15 year old who got pregnant and is in a tough situation you give up your child for adoption that so they can have a better life you're mm-hmm. a rich guy who is making money god knows how you have no fucking skills you have no talent you're spending all your money on drugs and porsches and prostitutes with no redeemable qualities or talents or you know job prospects outside of trading off the family name and you don't have the time the place the you know presence of mind to even call and say can you send me a picture what did you name the kid anything like that mm-hmm. and in his fucking his dumb memoir so by the way if you are not the, he's not a public person Korean John Peter don't ask about him why the fuck is he having art shows and writing memoirs mm-hmm. going on television it's like oh no no now he's not public now you can't ask about him when he's promoting his book wait a second we want to read a hunter biden book Mm -hmm. why does he think he's important enough to write a book well in the book he says you know i made a mistake i was in a bad place but i've uh i've i've made that all right right i've owned owned my mistakes yeah owned my mistakes but i've never met my child Mm -hmm. you know and i'm taking the mother of my child to court to get i mean look the the thing is is this woman was an aide to, uh, you know, John Lewis or something. It'd be a different thing. But she was a stripper. And that's the problem these people have with her. You know, uh, fucking commuting Joe. I get on the Amtrak every day. He, you know, he doesn't want people like this in the family. It's a disgrace to them. And that's, that sickens me. And I think he should be fucking ashamed. And, and Tundra Biden is an absolute piece of garbage. You know, it's like, think- there's no other way of, of, of looking at it. He's a, he's a piece of garbage. I think that the, the, the- determined effort not to talk about this on the part of the white house and its official mouthpiece would be more respectable if the president of the united states didn't insist on having his son like show up at the white house regularly for all kinds of events like come along on the journey on air force one like you don't have to take him in particular no like he's he's a bit of a problem for you and it's it's okay to be dissatisfied with him on account of his his ongoing bad behavior. And as you said, Moynihan, it's not the fact that he's dealt with drug addiction that I find like particularly distressing. Like that can no, happen. Like happens. he's he's gone I, through I, some I things. People try to cope way. with that. Yeah. But it is it's the other it's the other decisions that he's making. It's the it's the kind of gross, despicable um, <laughs> trading on his father's. Um, 
uh, on his father's position of power in order to to accrue wealth for himself and the, and the very real legitimate questions about whether or not his father had any awareness of this which i i have a difficult time believing he didn't um and whether or not he was participating in in some way shape or form which again is an open question that is legitimate it and is. worth it's asking about question, yeah. um and it's a, in the very real sense in which it's kind of the family business but between that and the conduct with his daughter like it is <laughs> kind of gross and despicable and it becomes yeah. a live ball politically when you've got him around and when you mr president um and your team insist that this this person who is related to you like is not actually doesn't actually exist (laughs) trump's deeply deeply shitty kids um particularly the lads um Mm. were the focus of all sorts of attention and justifiably so and appropriately guys on and and, and again he is i mean uh, you know don jr is very much involved in politics he's tweeting all the time so i I mean that's that's even more justified than this but one more thing one more thing that i I just think that it makes sense to people and they don't think about it and it just passes in and out of their brains and this is what hunter barton's relying upon in his book he says you know i was it was a tumultuous period i was on drugs there are a lot of people on drugs lots of them uh, Mm -hmm. people who have addictions uh, to all sorts of drugs who, um, and this is the myth, this is the people think, people don't understand this, like, you're always fucked up, you're always high. Well, real drug addicts are, you know, trying all the time to get high. Um, I don't believe Hunter Biden was high all the time. In those moments of lucidity, you don't stop and say, I have a kid now, I should probably contact this person. No, you're using your drug, drug addiction as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Because I know drug addicts, I've been close to drug addicts, and I'm not talking about myself. I've literally been, you know, and they have been decent moral people who have a horrible, horrible problem that is in itself kind of a moral failing sometimes, not always, but sometimes. And, you know, they, they're not terrible monsters. And if they had a child, they wouldn't run away from it. The times you think about that, and it makes sense in your head, it kind of slots in in a way because you think about people who are on drugs and mothers and young and can't handle it because the addiction, you know, it, it, half the day is far too much to take care of a child. A quarter of the day is far too much to take care of if you're, if you're on drugs that, that, that much. But if you're a guy who's got a lot of money and, you know, you just like smoking crack when you feel like it and betting hookers all the time, you do not lose all moral sort of bearings. That's not true. And it's an excuse and he uses it in the book and it's another, another shameful thing that he does. And I, I just think he's a repulsive pig. There's a way there's not because of the drugs again, there's a, or the horse. These are things I like about him. <laughs> Redeeming quality. Keep, keep that in mind. I love that stuff. Yeah. He just tried to put, put these women through school. He's just trying yeah, to help. Them. I mean, help him out. He liked. Yeah. I mean, by the way, who's been closer to Russians, Tr- Trump or Hunter? I, mean, <laughs> 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 I think there's just oh, some. It's a prostitute not, joke. People. They, they may not. I was going to say they may not get that one. Moynihan. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> they may not know because some of our listeners yeah. are pure and they yes, don't have experience with these I'm things. Sorry. I swear I talk about all these horrible things I apologize. <laughs> when uh, Hunter Biden We should just cut like uh, like a PG version of this podcast. When Hunter Biden first <laughs> should be nothing to listen to <laughs> made <laughs> 3 minutes headlines <laughs> that were worth us talking about on this podcast. I'm sure that I said something to the effect of I will care a lot more about this uh, when it seems to tell us anything or suggest that Joe Biden himself 
was part of any kind of possible corruption changing American policy or behavior mm. or whatever Agreed. based on Agreed. what his Agreed. son was mm-hmm. doing. Uh, and I, I yes. still believe that, although now we have much more plausible stories, I think, that Joe uh, mm-hmm. Hunter Biden was definitely using I'm close to Joe Biden as a way to try to enrich himself with. He's in the room next to me. (laughs) It's pretty explicit. Um, But I think there's. So it's it's more newsworthy now than it was then. Um, And uh, Mm -hmm. but also the uh, maybe in a in a more minor way, but one worth thinking about, too. There's something that is an indictment of kind of the political class and culture in which I mean, someone can be in in power for fifty years, and um, mm-hmm. members of your family or members of your circle, your crew or whatever, um, after fifty years, they can attach themselves to you like barnacles and enrich themselves <coughs> through nothing but just kind of avarice and and stick-to-itiveness. Um, there's something grotesque about that, especially, though not mm-hmm. only, but also when you are presenting yourself as, hey, I'm regular Joe. I'm regular family, mm-hmm. good time Scranton, lunch bucket Joe. Um, you know, look, mm-hmm. you guys giving Honey a hard time. I say Honey just yeah, because. he's just driving Porsches and with whores. But like, like a working class guy from I Scranton. think that actually uh, Joe Biden has received some sympathy, and I even kind of understand to a small degree some of that sympathy from people who say, hey, look, he's a grieving father he had his uh, kid uh, killed in the front lines of iraq as we know um and <laughs> jeez uh, no uh, but like he's he is a father i thought he was killed in hiroshima uh, he's a, <laughs> he's a father who's like trying to deal with the son okay i understand that but also that the political culture rewards not just the sort of shit barnacles on the side of people who don't necessarily do a whole lot with their lives but are in power um, but also those who tell political fables about how they're normal family men. Um, like there is something yeah. the, the the combination of both is ugly. Um, now, so also is ugly the naked corruption of the Trump family, right? Like uh, I, I actually yes, think sure. Michael was, was talking about how the Trump kids got um, a media attention for being shit heels. And that's true. But I think that actually less yeah. than they could have. Because I think that's true. There too. was so yeah. much in your face yeah. corruption having to do with Trump, and like there's just too many squirrels running around the yard, and you're just one dog. And like, like there was a Trump hotel across the street from the White House. I swear to God, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> and like people, <laughs> and they, the family owned it. People stayed there when they'd visit the White they'd House. Visit yeah. there when they said they overpaid yeah. for stuff, and like it, that all happened. And and I'm sure like the nepotism and like crass corruption is more. Uh, unlike a lot of the Russiagate stuff, it's actually more than uh, the media probably portrayed it just because it was ranked number eight on the list of all the things that they were getting hyperventilating about. Um, but I think it's worth reflecting for a second on the Hunter story um, in just that thing. Like it's it is an example of how the existing political class even the one that Donald Trump is trying mm-hmm. to supplant and the people who support him trying to supplant and like have their own little corruption story about it um, is in itself kind of gross. Um, you know, like if Donald yeah. Trump is supposed to be the funhouse mirror that they're holding up to show <laughs> that you're all you people are corrupt. Um, Joe Biden is actually in the Biden family, let's say, is more just sort of like workaday evidence of that. And it's not as 
in some cases in your face, but the lack of kind of equivalent or even, you know, in the ballpark uh, sort of media interest or interest on supposedly neutral mm-hmm. uh, institutions in public life um reinforces the notion that there's one kind of political corruption that we can't tolerate and the other one we'll just sort of roll our eyes at and that's it's all gross yeah there's the expectation too that what you were getting with trump and his shitty kids was a guy (laughs) from new york city who clearly cheated on his taxes clearly played the system for his benefit opened, you know, Atlantic City casinos with, you know, government funds and they just fucking collapsed. And everything this guy did, who's calling the New York Post pretending to be somebody else, talking about <laughs> his amazing. own personal what life. What his name? True right? story. John, what? Oh, oh, God, it was, um, it was oh, like an anagram or something. I thought it was like... <laughs> You know, Carlos Danger or something, but <laughs> not quite as good. Um, yeah. John John Barron. John Barron. John Barron. Yeah. Yes. John that Barron. John Barron. He, he, he names so his many. kid Barron too. He had a bunch yeah. of pseudonyms though. John Barron. Yeah. John, John Miller. David John Miller. Dennison. David Dennison. What the fuck is that? He's the best. <laughs> but you look like a when brown or fucking are... get the fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He should have done Casanova Brown. I agree. I I concur. I would respect that you, more. When you vote for a guy who's that much of a sleaze and then his kids are sleazes too, you're like, yeah, I kind of expected that. Yeah. But the Hunter thing is, and, and by the way, before anyone says, and I can anticipate this one, that um, why do you care about this? It's not relevant. To what Matt's point, I think, is a good one, is that when you present yourself as somebody who's a family man and all, all constantly invoking mm-hmm. your kids, particularly one kid, uh, Bo, and the tragedy that, that befell the family with that, which is you know, an understandable uh, sympathy point, I do think that it's invoked uh, in a kind of uncomfortable way for me, that it's, uh-huh. it's invoked a lot in, in a lot of like, situations where it doesn't seem to fit. But um, it's not even that. It's not even those things that it is. I'm literally commenting on this in the uh, sort of moral nature of Hunter Biden's actions in mm-hmm. the same way I would, um, you know, a Kardashian. I, it's in the news and I read this stuff and I'm like, what a scumbag. I'm not saying that one has to have hearings about his, his uh, depravity mm-hmm. or like if there's something about his unbelievable sleaze and graft that you see that is happening there's no way that you sit on a a ukrainian energy company's board without just you know using your family name and and jumping to the front of the queue because your father's been in politics his whole life nobody should like that nobody but that's not what i'm talking about and i'm not not saying that that is this is relevant to it i'm just saying it's insane how awful this guy is period yeah could be anyone it could be a musician and also hilarious there's a degree of hilarious there's there's a degree of warranted scrutiny that one would expect in under almost any normal circumstance with respect to the president of the united states having someone in this kind of proximity to him um, engaged in this sort of bad behavior there is an appearance of corruption and that is the sort of thing that is the natural grist um, for there to be just this kind of whirlwind of media scrutiny. That is appropriate. That is the job of journalists. And one would expect the White House to respond in a way that involves some sort of maybe apology, maybe some mm-hmm. sort of assurances. Um, but instead, what you get is this kind of defiant, like outraged response. Like, how dare you yeah. ask these questions? 
And then, and in addition to that, you get, I'm, I've never been more proud of my son. Are you fucking kidding? Why? <laughs> like for yeah. what? Are you, is this, this is, oh, so you're, you're encouraging this kind of behavior. Like that's what it looks like. And it, it is pretty preposterous. That said, I, it, it's funny, Matt, as you were talking about the corruption of the, the Trump children, I mean, I thought about that, that like deal that Ivanka struck, for example, <laughs> where she got like the trademark um, approved and fast tracked in China while her, yes. while her dad was in office. And I mean, they made hundreds of millions of dollars while they yeah. were in office. I think we mentioned this like, in the last Doing all kinds of right? stuff. Um, yeah. we, we may have, yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, but there was, there was so much stuff going on and so many um, contrived and actual um, conspiracies and dramas and scandals that it made it easier <laughs> to ignore some of those like rather dramatic examples of like open corruption um, on the part of these people. But at any rate, maybe we could talk about something uh, a bit more inspiring. You know, we didn't talk about, I didn't think we really talked about July 4th, um, but I, I did want to just mention how much I hate um, experiencing America? the 4th of July, <laughs> experiencing the 4th of July on, um, on like Twitter, like just seeing the Why posts from you? Ibram Kendi yes. and Corey Bush um, did you listen to Jill Scott? So uh, outrageous. Did you listen to Jill Scott? Uh, Jill, um, Jill Scott, the songstress? Yeah, she did. She oh, that's going to uh, make me did sad. A, oh, no. It's going to really make you sad if you like her because she did Damn a uh, version of the Star Spangled Banner in which she changed the lyrics. Oh, no. And uh, and I'll tell you what. Do you know what rhymes with uh, Home of the Brave? Mm. Home of the Brave. <laughs> oh, no. Jill. Not Jilly from yeah. Philly. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. The multi multi millionaire saying America is a the worst place that I you mean, could possibly I don't have. you can't it's have Juneteenth. You can't have Juneteenth. Like and then you just also get to piss all over the fourth of July. Ooh. Like every single year. Who's you in this? Like you can't really do that. That doesn't really seem fair. I just mean you, whoever you are <laughs> who enjoys that sort of thing. Who insists yeah. that this is what we need to do. Like one is supposed to be this day of celebration, but it, it, it actually isn't. It is a day when you can tell all sorts of people that you can't actually observe the holiday in this way. This isn't really for you. You don't get to define it. You don't mm -hmm. really get to talk about it. Shut up. This is our day. Oh, yeah. No, it's a federal holiday. You got to recognize it. Mm -hmm. And then on the 4th of July, we get reminded over and over again of the ugly hypocrisy of the past, of all yes. of the great failings of the United States of America. And, and we have to pretend as those these. And actually, we don't have to we pretend. We don't. But lots of people engage in pretending that their one-dimensional representation of history is something that is inspiring and laudable and insightful. And it's not. It's the same dried-up yes. horse shit every single year. Colin yeah. Kaepernick and Ibram Kendi and, and Cori Bush, just you are not brilliant geniuses. You do not have a, a, an, an inspiring command of historical facts and yes, these people were slave owners, and that's because slavery was a thing. It was older than writing, and the American project was inspiring and bold and innovative, and it was trying, it was establishing a new standard by which now we all evaluate not only the present, but also the past. And we can look at them and say, look how gross it is that Knowing they could talk people about were slave freedom. owners is not enough. And there was it's slavery. It's not enough to know the that there were slave owners. That, they <laughs> say this all the time. Guess what? George Washington owned slaves. I understand that, but that is yep. not enough. That is not, not enough for even, I, by the way, it's not even enough for a moral condemnation because there's a lot of other factors that like, yes, it's gross and yes, it's horrible. And yes, you're guilty of presentism. But I thought this is something that I want to recommend to you guys and to, to listeners. 
Um, there is a uh, academic journal, uh, oddly called the Hedgehog Review. Mm. And there is a review in it by a professor of history at Western Washington University named Johann Neem. I've never heard of him. Is enough in this, uh, in this piece that I disagree with, but it is a review of Myth America. Historians take on the biggest legends and lies about our past mm. by, guess mm. who, Kevin Cruz. Yeah, yeah, we Do you remember this? That. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want to read you guys. I want to hear your, your response to this. Um, so I'll read it and I'll just hand it over to you guys. But I thought this was a really, really smart paragraph. Um, and this is what you get on July 4th on Twitter, etc. And he says, yeah, there's Republicans are horrible and they lie about everything. And this is the paragraph. To believe that Republican lies threaten our democracy, you also have to believe that our basic norms and principles are worth defending. But why sustain something as corrupt as American democracy? In her contribution to Myth America, Kathleen Ballou, professor of history at Northwestern University, condemns those who proclaim that the events of January 6th do not reflect who we are as a country. She argues instead that this is exactly who we are. Quotes, by the way, exactly who we are. And a careful examination of the white nationalism and violence in our history will prove it. Ballou simply inverts the story. White nationalists, including the KKK, embody the true America. Any story suggesting that we Americans are something better, or even that we have ideals that should inspire us to be better, is naive and false. And as he points out, that you can't say we need to uphold American democracy when at the same time condemning it and saying that it is not flawed in, in the details, it's flawed in the project. Mm. What think you? I thought it was a very good point. I mean, part of me, I that. it's, that's great. I always want to go back to Steve Martin's great audience retort in one of his early live albums to a heckler in San Francisco, um, in which he said, <laughs> yeah, I remember my first beer. Um, I feel like that uh, so often when I hear people who really think that they've they've come up with something clever like yeah you know Mm -hmm. uh, all these all these things that we've been saying about America all this line it it was never true in fact what was more true was that was the Klan man and it feels so much (laughs) like you're in fucking is freshman year and you're not even at your own uh, yeah, yeah, own exactly. place because you're smart enough not to live in a dorm because you're not a fucking mouse <laughs> yes, yeah. in a cage. You are human. You live in an apartment. But you visit your other friends, also freshmen, in their dorms, and people are having these deep fucking conversations, and they can't get out of their own way of being stoned and thinking that mm-hmm. they're being profound. It's not profound. And... Camille, get off fucking Twitter in general, but certainly on the fucking Fourth of July. <laughs> I'm on. Thre- I'm, I'm not even on there anymore. I'm on threads or uh, yeah. spanks, oh, whatever. Right. My yeah. hands on sharing recipes on threads. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was. You know where I was on? I was on. I was in the heart of like, man. I was. I was like right in between Carroll Gardens and Park Slope, man. I was in ninety-eight yeah. percent Hillary Clinton territory, more like ninety, because there, there's some people voting for Gary Johnson. Um, but like, it's certainly Republicans are getting less than five percent territory on a rooftop with Michael's ex-wife and other people um, watching patriotic fucking American fireworks all around me. And I'm not talking about the official Mm -hmm. shit on the Hudson River or or, uh, on the East River. I'm talking about the Italians on my block who are just absolutely Mm -hmm. shooting off as many illegal fireworks at each other. Like it's a, it's a, 
patriotism off everywhere. American flags fucking everywhere. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit about Twitter. No one gives a shit about America's original sin or anything else like that. It's like, you know what? We're in America. Look at any goddamn video of Los Angeles at night on July 4th. They like occasionally try to say, oh, we're going to ban fireworks this year. Go ahead and look at the helicopter view. It's a whole bunch of goddamn wonderful fucking Mexicans shooting off fireworks, Chinese people, people who aren't Mexicans or Chinese, just fucking L.A. people shooting each other in the face with fireworks. I love it. Doing their shit. Is it a celebration it's, of America matters? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> or is that just shooting people in the face with bottle rockets? Why, yeah, why not both? This is, this <laughs> yeah, is the whole both. point. It's both. like, it's, it is like yeah. the most like obvious America fuck yeah situation. I spent that night with nothing but naturalized citizens and green card holders. And they loved every yeah. goddamn minute of it because America is awesome. The only place that America isn't awesome is on Twitter, on Spanx, and on threads, and in a few political spaces. But, like, even take a half step (laughs) out in, like, the deepest whatever fill-in-the-blank country, people are having a fucking great time on the 4th of July because they're human beings. God damn it, it's fine. Well, you you pointed out that these are recently naturalized American citizens. I mean, people... And people always say, well, they tend to be the most patriotic. Well, they don't point out why. When the people who are most patriotic are are recently naturalized citizens for a very specific reason, because most of them can actually, they have a basis for comparison. (laughs) Um, I could, I'm here, which is pretty awesome, uh, shooting off fireworks in LA and then like, you know, around the corner from an In-N-Out burger. And then I walk around the corner and I see like some, Hollywood star, you know, get at the bank machine or something. All these like weird Hollywood like or, or LA things that you love so much that I always experience when I'm there. I always think it's like a bizarre and wild. Or you could be in um, San Salvador. Um, the, the comparison, I think, is pretty. You know, it, it is really interesting too that you have a. It's it's considered a cliche, but the place that um, you know speaks most negatively about itself in the world is absolutely 100% America. There's no second. I mean, England might be second, but it's not even close to what we get here. Um, is also happens to be the place where people are most eager uh, to come and, you know, risk life and limb to do so and, you know, traverse nine countries on foot and then go across a desert um, to get into the United States, which they haven't been, been informed yet as a white supremacist nightmare country but the incredible thing about this when you look at the jill scott stuff when you look at you know any of the people who get on twitter or or you know balls or threads or whatever the fuck it is um and talk about how nightmarish it is is that it has all of the the attributes of a cult and i mean that in the sense that like people who are you know enthralled to a wild religious view Mm. or the ideas of a you know at an ashram of some guy who says that I am, I am the uh, second coming of you know Vishnu or whatever, <laughs> these '70s kind of American cults. You have to just look around you and deny everything that exists. It's how you exist, right? You can, if you look at everything that shows that Jim Jones is not going to take you to the promised land, you either don't join Jonestown. Uh, or you join Jonestown and your brain starts blocking out the things that contradict the, the obvious falsehoods, right? And they're everywhere. These people aren't all stupid. They're not all crazy. 
Um, you see that in stuff when you, you see like uh, um, Waco stuff. There's people that have been inter interviewed and they're like, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that it was, was kind of crazy. But you have to block the sun out. You have to block all this stuff out. This is what happens when Jill Scott is, you know, looking at her bank account, which probably has seven zeros in it, and says, this is the land of the slave. You have to actively unbelievable. say that all the things that are around me that, is, that have happened to me are I'm either the exception, which is obviously not true, or it's just complete happenstance. It's just a mistake that happened to this one person, and so therefore I'm elevated and I can speak to it. But mm -hmm. it's very, very rare that this happens. That's also not true. Mm -hmm. um, so to do that, to go on this thing about how terrible and how awful it is um, to live in this nightmarish country, you do have to deny everything that's around you at all times. I mean, is, is it even possible that, and I've, I've said this before, that there is, that it isn't true that America is the single most um, successful political project with respect to the enrichment of like immigrants, like people who come to this country with nothing and yeah. create incredible fortunes for themselves, or at least enrich their families beyond their wildest imaginings mm -hmm. and beyond the imaginings of their predecessors in their home countries by murdering like, Native Americans, yes, horrible conditions. <laughs> no, no, that I happens. mean, in just the that last, in just the last century, <laughs> I just mean in the last yeah, century. No, of course, of course, like just that. No, I mean, think like, of, that is that is that is the le the legacy and the current trajectory of America is that when I when I was actually the 4th of July, I didn't see these posts on the 4th of July. On the 4th of July, I was so delighted to be able to spend it with family. And over the course of the past couple of years, because of the pandemic and all sorts of other stuff, like these massive family gatherings that we used to have every Saturday, because um, mm -hmm. my family Seventh Day Adventist, so it's the Sabbath. So we'd get together at, at one of my aunt's houses or something and have this preposterously rock, uproarious and wonderful potluck dinners. Um, you could smell like jerk chicken and curry goat like all throughout the house. It was just splendid. And we, we hadn't done it in a long time. And we got just a fraction of that this past July 4th. And that is where I spent the day. Yeah. And I'm up in like Hagerstown or Frederick or something. I'm driving around and I see all of these people who I can tell, like, just by looking at them in some instances, but also overhearing conversations like, oh, you're from Nigeria. You're from Ghana. Oh, you're from, like, mm -hmm. El Salvador. Like, that is what I'm seeing all over the place. And they're all cooking out. And they're all hanging mm -hmm. out. And they're just enjoying I had to go to Target to buy my daughter um, a bathing suit so that she could play in the fucking Moonbounds pool thing that we uh, rented. And she wanted the bathing suit that had the American flag on it. Like, that is America. That's the legacy. It's, it's wonderful. It's great. We went to a big box retailer of America. and we grilled up some food and we ate some, some bastardized Jamaican and also some Lido's pizza. It's, it's great. <laughs> I do like free. that you associate the, uh, the 4th of July with the smells of Jamaica. With, uh, <laughs> I, mean, it's, I think it's amazing. I truly Lido's, Lido's pizza. Like, and Lito's you know, jerk chicken and yes. curry goat. It's like, yeah, that's pretty fucking American. At the end, you know? <laughs> it just is. That's no, I mean, it all is. Compare that to what Bastille Day is going to be like in France this year. Right. And France. Mm, and yeah. I say this with great affection as someone who's married into the country. And, and my daughters are French as well. And uh, and my uh, beloved in-laws, um, that country is going through some things right now. And also that country mm -hmm. is one which like America was sort of founded on some 
ideas rather than nation. And they struggle with that in a different way than we do. And as they do, they treat, you know, there are people who consider themselves to be treating a free speech in a very profound and, and serious way in a way that's totally different than the way that we do. But they think about it and talk mm. about it. But there is a there is a possibility to have Frenchness without being a native French born speaker who is white and Catholic or whatever. Um, it's a little bit more mm-hmm. difficult than, than that process in America, but it is a thing that exists, an ideal that has existed. Um, it's hard. You know, there's a, there's a handful of countries in Europe that have tried anything like to have a lot of immigrants from different racial categories and different religions it is france it is england it is switzerland and i think i've run out of fingers uh really to to i mean romania was like was like that from the beginning sweden it's that's kind of recent and it's 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 contested and it's it's a a shit show as far as i can tell without knowing anything about it but france like has that as an ideal but also it has this legacy of and i use that word like uh, with some trepidation but of having uh, a dominant culture that it's hard to integrate into um and then also having an economic system that makes fluidity much more difficult um and i mean thomas chatterton williams wrote a piece and uh and we all i I forward it to you guys uh about Mm -hmm. just the horrific uh riots that we've seen in france over the last one week or so after the killing of a 17 year old kid by cops that's been contested and it's controversial to say the least uh the cop's original version didn't turn out to be true um but also aspects of the kid's own behavior has not been um something that people have been really talking about in public because they're scared to which is that it's very Mm -hmm. possible that he stole a car um and that he had a criminal record and that he was fleeing Mm. police i didn't think he even had a driver's license i mean you normally can't drive when you're 17 in france so the presumption is that he was driving illegally with a criminal record in a stolen car um but other things that the cops said weren't true but anyways there's been Uh, If you haven't been following the news, just a tremendous and horrific amount of violence on the streets in France. And I know that that just sort of sounds like a redundancy uh, given France. Um, But it's been about as bad as we've seen uh, worse than the riots even earlier this year that were uh, protests uh, in uh, against uh, uh, Macron's pension reforms, which are very mild in any other, you know, rich Western context, but were uh, too much for a lot of people to to get with. Um, But uh, underlying all of this, and Thomas gets at this a little bit in his piece, which is kind of short in the Atlantic, but it's worth reading, is that there isn't, we don't get the jerk chicken, curry, fucking goat, target, swimsuit, melting pot in France. (laughs) And it's a damn dirty shame. And, and, and I, I think I mentioned mm-hmm. this in the early days of this podcast, which has now existed since 2016. Um, I always found it curious that conservatives, the Trumpy kind of conservatives who were talking about immigration, they were treating American immigration as if it was the same as immigration in Europe. It's absolutely and it's wrong. so wrong. It is, nothing could be mm-hmm. more more and and yeah. like and like trying in almost to adopt a more European style immigration 
process as uh, as a response to this bad analysis, which is the opposite of how it should be. How it should be is that fucking all of Camille's insane Seventh Day Adventist curry goat eating <laughs> 75 children having crazy motherfuckers get to come here and get rad and fuck you um and we're all fine for it uh i mean there might be some details <laughs> back and forth you know, my mom listens occasionally uh, wait, 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 that out. Sorry. what Sorry, part of that doesn't yeah. she like <laughs> Yeah. Go on, Matt. Ringo Seal. Ringo's birthday. Peace and love. Yeah. Peace and love. It's peace and love's birthday. Ringo. Oh, what you playing the drums for? Oh, um, my God. I, one thing to point out there, the Matt, the difference is you're not allowed to talk about this, but, it, but it's relevant for a number of reasons, but particularly in the past couple of days in Sweden, is that when you have people coming from Jamaica, when you have people coming from um, Latin America, uh, and that's the largest, I mean, you have the largest groups coming from Latin America. Um, you know, they're mostly Christians, Catholics, whatever, whatever denomination of Christian you want. Um, it is obviously a, a, a little different when you have m- massive uh, uh, ethnic minorities in the banyos outside of France, uh, outside of Paris, and Lyon, and all of the other cities, and the same thing is true in, 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 in Sweden. So for instance, there was a, a poll that I tweeted, I very rarely tweet, but I tweeted this one because I was kind of surprised by it, what uh, uh, SVT, the, the state broadcaster in Sweden, uh, released a poll that over 50% of Swedes want to, burn, to, to ban the burning of the Quran because an Iraqi, uh, who has been living in Sweden for a, I don't know, a short period of time, not that long, uh, burned a Quran publicly and um, did so because he is uh, somebody who is uh, raised in Iraq and raised in a religious tradition and now rejects that. As a result of this and somebody else, a Danish person, uh, who's, who is uh, some, something pallid in his last name, but who's a real rabble-rouser and trying to create problems, create trouble, um, burned a Quran fairly recently. Because of these two things, um, Turkey is now, uh, and, and since the first Quran burning, is now, uh, for well, and a couple of other things too, particularly you know, Kurdish people that they consider PKK members, they consider terrorists uh, that are living in Sweden, they're blocking Sweden's ascension to NATO. And so when you have these kind of religious uh, clashes and this kind of it was it's it was alien to Swedes. They were like, oh, it's just like America. It's just like anything else. We're gonna you know sort of absorb all these people, and there won't be much of a problem. That turned out to be true, and that's you know, and some of those problems are actually what Swedes themselves done. The, the the policies of the government that I think have ghettoized people and not given them economic opportunity and basically said, let's you guys stay here and live on welfare for a long yeah. time, which I don't think is a, is a great thing for people. But yeah, we, that in, in Europe is um, a rather big problem. And so it's a funny thing, though. It's an inversion in the way of the JFK speech, because in France, you hear all the complaints. Every time you listen to this on BBC or France 24, they interview somebody and they say, we've been left here and uh, the, the government's not doing anything for us. You know, it's the inversion of ask not what you can do for your country, what, what, uh, uh, what your country will do for you. I just made that backwards. But, um, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, know I mean. the thing, you know, the thing. Yeah. I'm like Joe Biden right now. You know, the thing. The thing. Yeah. Um, but See, it is. Okay, it is do that to you. Yeah. It is that kind of thing of just like what uh, they're not doing enough for us. 
which is not really an American idea. No. Mm. You, you would get a very negative reaction from people if they said, you know, there's, there's some violence in an immigrant community or neighborhood outside, you know, in the, you know, in greater LA, and the people get on television and say, well, they're not doing anything for us. We, mm-hmm. want to, we want them to do things. To, America's a place, and whether this is right or wrong, I'm not, I'm not making a judgment on that, is you create opportunities for yourself. You don't wait around for the government to create opportunities for you. And that is in the narrative of what's happening in France, the, the first thing that I see sticking out as a major difference. I think it's okay to render a judgment about that. I, I, am, I can, but I'm just not doing it right <laughs> in that moment. And I will, if you'd like me to. I'm happy to. Please, go so for it. That's not the way of doing things. How about that? It's very, very bad. I will, I will be like, yeah. I'll be nice to uh, France and other countries and, and, and perhaps nice to our own just by saying that whatever we do here, and I think that it's been horrible the last seven eight years especially what we've done to the immigration system we made it so hard to immigrate here legally that it's all just fucked up um and we've accepted a lot fewer mm. that's started to change now but then the the pipeline system's all messed up too but generally speaking over the broad years our approach to immigration and our approach to integration allowing people not to just be in their own literal ghettos here, there's your ghetto over there. Mm-hmm. Do your best, but meh, you know, um, mm. maybe it's not going to work. Um, it is that there is something to be celebrated about the American miracle of it all. We don't feel like it's a miracle. We don't experience it as a miracle, but it kind of is. Um, it, no one else mm-hmm. really, very few people, very few countries have been able to pull it off. It's a wonderful thing. And, and so the 4th of July for me, especially in my <laughs> soggy, emotional middle age, um, gets more and more like a, a gooey and patriotic about precisely that. Uh, Camille, your description mm-hmm. of, of 4th of July, my experience of it, and just in general of like, and also just, of course, everyone recognized that it's absolutely goofy Americana. It's like, it's mm-hmm. so easy to make fun of it. And that's why you want to do more of it almost. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's actually a miracle. The miracle of making that thing happen and have it work even in contestable decades, which we've lived through right now, um, is fantastic. And if other countries could figure out how to do it, if France had like the magic flute to play to make that happen, they would play it in a second right now. They're in a bad place, a super bad place right now, like really, really bad. Um, And most countries are just one crisis away from being in something similarly bad. Um, And it's, we should take it as a point of pride, it's nice. Amen. One final I, point I on this is um, maybe, maybe two. I got a little something too. Okay, I'll, I'll can, make this. You can do. You can do the final one if you want. I was just going to no, say no, that I, sheets. I'm, sheets is selling gas for like seventeen seventy six, like on the day of July fourth, which is like that's cool. That's fun. That's fun. What is she, sheets? It's a gas station. They were selling gas for one dollar and seventy seven cents a gallon. Oh, I thought it was you said seventeen dollars. I was like, what are they trying to be Europe? They just had these preposterously long lines, like everybody uh, trying to top off their tank. Gas you don't even lines. Need gas, but it's like it's a dollar yeah, and seventy seven cents. I'm gonna go get of, some because gas. Of America. That's yeah. Fucking great. Thank God yeah. for America. God bless well, America. America's great because we have lower gas taxes in Europe. <laughs> but um, true. But no, Fact the, 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 the fourth of Fourth of July. <laughs> It's interesting because it's the celebration of, supposedly the celebration of American, America's founding, American history, et cetera. But the, the biggest problem that we have that is bringing us towards a, more towards a kind of European-like situation in a France-like situation or a, a sweet, less but a Sweden-like situation is the 
preposterous, ridiculous, embarrassing abuse of history. His history is now only used as a cudgel. Everything in the present mm-hmm. is pretty good. This is why you have to take an individual event like George Floyd mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a, you know, a year in which you know, 15 unarmed black people are shot and killed by the police. And as I often point out, some of those are contested. Not, not all of them are black cops, et cetera. And it's a low number, right? And, you know, the mobility, uh, economic mobility has is, is been, you know, stagnant for almost everyone. But if you look at, you know, kind of um, the black middle class now versus 30 years ago, it's a rather, rather impressive uh, turnabout. So you can talk about things that are going on now that are terrible, but they end up being so like ludicrous. I mean, these things of just like individual events, somebody says something racist. I saw this the other day uh, or today, actually uh, somebody at like a public pool in like Pennsylvania said something racist about a Mexican family there. Um, The woman was filmed. It was the top story. No joke. It was the top story on the New York post. One woman said something racist in Pennsylvania (laughs) at a pool. I'm like, wait, this is a top story? Are you fucking... Yeah. That's, what, yeah. that's, what we're, that's what we're actually now attacking? Dude, re- that's a great place to be. I remember the 70s. And, you know, that's why we go back to the past so much. You know, the past is... I know, again, the 70s was like, kids were just, you know, horrible. Like, there were truly tasteless joke books were like number one books in the country, and they were just all racist <laughs> jokes. Like, it was a different time, and it was so recent. Whereas, you know, what we do now is we have to you know, excavate the past and say, well, you know, slavery, I mean, at least in France, you have the Algerian situation is, is in recent memory, and there are people who lived through the Civil War, right? And, and you know, decolonization in Africa, this is all recent events. 60 years ago, what, 60 years ago at this point, you know? Yeah, it's, the, I mean, this is, and, and, and now in this country, we, we're like constantly reminding people that uh, Thomas Jefferson has a conflicted legacy. Yeah, no, that's true. And we've all known that for a long time. What is your point? Um, because the end result has been pretty good. As, as, I mean, you look at the comparison I always make is imagine going to, you know, China, Korea, South Korea, anywhere, um, India. Well, India would be slightly different. And say, like, we're going to set up a, a, you know, ethnic group. We're just going to come. You're not going to allow us to come. We're not going to say, you're going to say no, technically you can't, but we're going to come and we're going to start working and then we're going to demand rights. And like, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I mean, I'm generically and generally pro-immigration in this country. It's unheard of. People would think that was insane. But in this country, we don't think it's insane and it happens and that's not a bad thing. Um, There are many, 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 many problems with that in the way that it's been executed. But it is not something that happens uh, routinely across the globe. It is unique to this country, and that is a good thing. If you're a progressive, you should, you should celebrate that and not be constantly pissing on it and saying, well, it's not perfect, and if it's not perfect, I can't celebrate it. Nonsense. Mm-hmm. Here, here. A um, couple other things that we could talk about today, I suppose. Um, we, we just hit on the France stuff. Uh, the, the fallout, uh, I suppose, the... the um, from the recent affirmative action decision um, continues uh, the, the various stages of grief that people have been going through. Um, and Moynihan, you shared a couple of pieces from yeah. Harvard. Uh, yes. And I guess, what, was this one of the, the journals um, there at Harvard or a paper? It's, it's, the, it's the Harvard Crimson, the mm. newspaper, which has been 
in a state of apoplexy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, unsigned editorials, uh, news stories that don't sound like really like news stories. My favorite one was today um, was a um, opinion piece from a professor at the in the Harvard Divinity School. If you Google him, looks like the uh, teacher in Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill, you know, the, the guy with the T-shirt. And, the <laughs> and uh, um, the most amazing thing is, uh, this is the sentence that I love, the second paragraph. And this is very common. Um, they're taking this very hard. The hard truth for all of us who have enjoyed the benefits of a Harvard education is that Harvard's exclusive admission pol admissions policy have always bolstered white supremacy and economic inequality and says that um, Harvard cannot be as selective as it's been in the past, thus destroying the entire idea of, of Harvard and trying to make it, um, you know, kind of the same as Dayton University or something, because to do the opposite of that is to perpetuate white supremacy and economic inequality, which I think is really an astonishing. That's one of the many, many wow. pieces that is in the Harvard Crimson because they're very, very upset about this about this whole thing. And it, my favorite was a news story in, uh, in which they uh, interviewed all sorts of people who found it um, that the court was a radical right-wing court. Um, and this is not normal. The headline was something about it not being normal. Mm -hmm. This is not a normal state of affairs because of the way the court has ruled on affirmative action, yeah, which is astonishing. AOC, who re referred to the, the Supreme Court talking about uh, the creeping creeping dangerously towards authoritarianism yes. uh, this is the way she was describing the court um after after the decisions that came down that she didn't like which i think is pretty much the the substance of that legal analysis there yeah maybe yeah, maybe she's uh agreeing with you camille in that um she's just reflecting that affirmative action is democratically unpopular on every single like subgroup is against affirmative action so this is actually democracy in action and she's saying that i agree with camille foster that democracy is bad that we need <laughs> <laughs> that we need we need different principles no, no. man yeah. are you kidding that's you're totally not what wrong. camille said camille didn't because say democracy is bad well, this is not, I'm just saying it's not inherently virtuous. <laughs> it's a very different claim. It's a different sort of claim. Fair it's not enough. inherently Fair virtuous. Enough. I don't care Appreciate. that 99% of people want it. I don't want you to take my stuff. Man, I, I, I was... That's wrong. That's why we, I'm glad we live in a constitutional republic. That's what I celebrate. I, in, go ahead, I got an email. I, I sent it to you guys. It was um, a PR email from uh, the firing line with Margaret Hoover. Uh, Margaret is a friend. I like Margaret quite a bit. Uh, she uh, has a show on PBS that is uh, Firing Line, the old Bill Buckley show. And she has on tonight's, and they're, they're um, advertising this, they send these little uh, press releases out, uh, the Harvard historian, again, Harvard, Jill Lepore. Um, this is the quote from Jill Lepore. This, they start out this uh, press release with this. I think a chief consequence of this affirmative action decision on the part of the court coming on the heels of a series of other decisions that were at variance with public opinion, nope. I think that does erode confidence in the court. There's a lot of public alarm or what the jurisprudence of originalism really is and means. Uh, she said, calling the interpretation of the 14th Amendment baffling and the court's logic on this and other recent rulings, quote, a little bit illegible. Is, this is a Harvard historian 
who believes that the affirmative action decision is at variance with public opinion. God, no. Is this woman out of her mind? It's fucking insane that these people get to teach uh, at, at, at Harvard, much less they, they should, shouldn't be teaching at a community college. For I think sakes. that one of the, the crazy disconnects in American like journalistic political discourse for 25 years, 30 years, whatever your name is, number, time span, whatever, is going to be, uh, they're two, they're not necessarily related, but they strike because the difference is 20 percentage points at least. Um, the sort of elite class, elite political class, journalistic class about U.S. interventionism and U.S. alliances with other countries um, is mm. always 20 percentage points higher than the public at large. Like just like in terms of if you ask Americans, who should we have alliances with? It's um, basically the four or five countries that speak English and Israel. That's the, that's what they say every single, regardless of what you think, that's what they say every time that that's the only ones who get it. And they don't, you know, like, yeah, Eastern Europe, NATO. Eh, okay, whatever, but no, probably not. Um, but that's it. And, and they tend to be a lot less uh, supportive, except in the micro moment of the heat of war in, in, you know, March of, in May of 2003, you'll get a lot of pro-war sentiment, but it'll evaporate pretty quickly. And by the end of Afghanistan, um, adventure, you know, it was the most un- long, unpopular war in American history. Um, the other one is affirmative action. Affirmative action, which has not been a hot-button issue, really, in American politics since the 1990s. Maybe Moynihan has a different view, but like he paid attention to that, too. Like It wasn't... It it wasn't the thing that was like we both of us and maybe Camille, too, went at the original Tea Party uh, rallies because, remember, they were immediately described in 2008 as uh, racist. And that it's like it's because it's a black president in 2008, 2009. um, Obviously. And so we went looking. I went very specifically looking. Okay. If that's holding, then I'm sure I'm going to hear a lot of these rallies about affirmative action because I recognize that from the 90s because we did hear from people who were like, I think that guy might be kind of a racist talking a lot about affirmative action in the 1990s. Um, and regardless of how the Tea Party ended up or what it is, that just wasn't what those things were about. Um, nor was immigration back then either. It wasn't a big topic at all in the first round of, of uh, Im- uh, uh, Tea Party uh, rallies. But um, that affirmative action divide has been there for this whole time. And it hasn't been written about. Affirmative action exists, yes, at Harvard. And so, therefore, it's not really all that important, right? It's like it's an <laughs> intra-elite debating point. It's not really how most of college works for most people. Um, but yeah. also, it works in... It's for elite schools. And that's an important mm-hmm. point. I'm glad you... I'm glad it you is for elite that. schools. It's for, uh, and it's for a contest. Yeah. There. But it also happens a lot at the civic level, municipal level, um, in terms of like, we got to have 15% of minority set aside for minority owned businesses. There's a whole infrastructures built mm-hmm. up around this that are really distortionate and they, they bring up uh, like new hucksters of their own. It's really not mm-hmm. a great system. Um, and it's kind of pervasive and that's going to be chipped away at because of the dis- this decision in ways that I think has been incredibly undercovered in terms of its whole uh, impact on society. It's going to be much more than whatever the fuck Harvard does. But I, I bring this up just because it's really interesting to find these 
places where public opinion is demonstrably and over a period of decades, 20 percentage points different than mainstream journalistic or political elite opinion. And um, and it's as if they don't know about it. They haven't heard about it. Yeah. And interventionism yeah. is the other one in, in which that is like, you know, the people mm-hmm. who write editorials, for the Washington Post are always out outraged that people don't want to, um, you know, immediately enlist Ukraine in NATO or whatever. But, but, but at least they at least they're aware of it at some point. Yeah. Like Jill Lepore is lives in a universe in an insane echo chamber where she's like, this is undemocratic because people love a firm fashion <laughs> um, on the campus of Harvard. I mean, are you, are you jo- like, are, it's so insane to me that someone could be that clueless. Say that at a dinner party and I would think it's embarrassing. Saying it on national television is like, you didn't even do your basic homework because you're so sure of this. You're so sure of yourself that something like this must be popular and the response i mean it's interesting matt because you you make a very good point that that it has not been um a dominant issue a frontline issue a secondary issue not even a tertiary issue you just didn't hear about it much because that we were having conversations about how everything is white supremacy and the ibram x kendi way of thinking about the world had become the dominant one so with something you know like affirmative action coming across the transom they're like they you look at the Harvard Crimson and these are all students and faculty members who are, you know, just marinating in this kind of stuff. And so they see something like affirmative action. They're like, I cannot believe it. it's the end of Harvard if we don't fix this and we don't disobey the court. <laughs> I mean, they are literally trying to figure out how they can do court nullification because this, they, they, they think this is wrong. And so therefore we're going to continue discriminating against Asian students mostly, by the way. And it gets, always gets lost in this conversation is that this is, particularly the Harvard case was about Asians. And you know, we have to somehow thwart this. It is, the, the, it is like a, you know, a religious kind of way of looking at it. It's completely psychotic because they don't even weigh the idea that there might be something to this argument and here we're going to actually contradict it and here's why here they're just they think just the idea of it they talk about the consequences not about the philosophy of it right whether the righteousness of it it's like the consequence will be that no you know person who isn't a white male or I, they don't even talk about asians despite the fact that that is actually the well, real they, well they do talk issue. about them they just well, say that they're they're white supremacists yeah they're white supremacists <laughs> and they've, they've become or if you're like a muslim parent at a school board meeting, you're also white supremacist. Yes. It's incredible yeah. how many white supremacists there are these days have broadened the scope. But when you do this, you, you, you have to get back into that condescending rhetoric that will never have any students who aren't mm-hmm. white because they can't qualify. Yes. They won't be able to do right. it. It's like, fuck you, number one. <laughs> and, and, and number two, it's like you're not talking about whether or not this is just in its basic way fair. Um, remember uh, the Justice Jackson's uh, dissent in which she said some people actually argue that this isn't fair. Yep. How ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, I-, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, yeah, that's the whole point. That's why you're there. That's why you're in front of your fucking typewriter, you know, typing this dissent because some people thought it wasn't fair and they brought a suit. And she's like, well, that is, you know, transparently ludicrous and blah, 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 blah. I just, they've gone way, they're so sure of themselves. Their worldview is so cloistered 
that to even argue the counter case is not within their frame of mind at all. We know that this is a white supremacist project. Now let's figure out how to thwart it. Not to argue that, that there is a justification for affirmative action and it should go on forever. Mm -hmm. Unlike what was said in the ruling in 2003 when uh, Sandra Day O'Connor said, you know, I can't imagine we'll need this in 25 years. Which was every, I mean, people had that conversation. They talked about the ending. Mm -hmm. Now there's never an ending. Yeah. In the same way that it's, it's, it's when you talk about representation, I thought it was really amazing working in a place where representation then became, it's like 60% would be good. 70% would be good <laughs> um, of representation. It's like, wait, what? I, I thought, so you're talking about 14%, 13% for the black population. For trans people, I guess you'd have a, maybe a, a half a person, a leg or something um, out of 100 because, you know, it's under 1%, right? Um, this is, you know, this is the same thing. We've gone way beyond uh, all of those ideas uh, to this kind of cultish nonsense that we're involved in right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I, just to put a to put a button on this, I, and I'm confident I mentioned it last week as well. But it's always worth remembering that this policy doesn't even achieve its ostensible goal of Correct. helping the the progeny of enslaved Negroes here in the Americas today <laughs> in 2023. Like the principal beneficiaries of these programs are people like me, like people who are mm -hmm. first generation, who are often described as black, but who are not actually the people from the distressed, broken communities that are supposed to be the ones who are benefiting from these programs, who are supposed to be getting uplifted. Um, and I saw actually uh, our friend Connor Friedersdorf share um, a, a post from someone the other day uh, that was essentially, and it was an Atlantic article. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that I'm forgetting who wrote it, but I'm sure I'll find it and maybe we'll add it to the show notes or something, but ostensibly challenging institutions like Harvard to do the difficult work of supporting, say, children <laughs> who are really young in elementary school so that they can actually develop the aptitude to be able to compete for a spot on the merits in the most elite institutions in the country. Like that's actually really, really hard work. And it might take, you know, a decade or more of effort and investment to actually help one student matriculate through the system and get to the point where they can actually apply to Harvard and really genuinely compete for a spot. But as, as it stands- Can either of you guess what Harvard's endowment is? Like how uh, big it is? Three billion. 53 billion. I was going to say Fif that's small. Fifth, yeah. 50, $53 billion. <laughs> yeah. You think that maybe rather than 53. saying, I'm going to take the, the Senegalese ambassador's son <laughs> to tick a box. We have black into people some here. Deprived neighborhoods we have black people. And try to. Yes. Exactly. That's what we're doing. Yes. We're helping yes. to uplift yes. black people. Wow. This is anti-racist. Anti-racism. Yes. We have all the oil families of Nigeria <laughs> yes. represented here. It's yes. like, how about going into to, to, to distressed neighborhoods yes. and investing in them with your 53 fucking billion dollars rather than whinging in the Harvard Crimson about how everything is over because of a fucking court decision, which is, you know, now undemocratic yeah. and we have to end the Supreme Court, which I've seen a lot of talk about, by the way. The Supreme Court has to be eliminated. Right. I mean, I'm not joking. You can find mainstream Jacobin people. Jacobin magazine, yes. 
affirmative affirmative no, jacobin magazine did affirmative yeah, action did too, is yeah. cash for clunk, cash for clunkers only worse like that is what it is mm. it's a it's a bullshit policy that doesn't actually work at work um but it also is um uh, explicitly discriminatory racially discriminatory yeah. like that's what it is yeah. which is which is I, by the way they, they, they jill laporte can say that you know this is this is a very weird uh reading on the 14th amendment um, but That's she not. doesn't make the same uh, <laughs> argument about the 1965 Civil Rights Act, uh, which this is also in You could make a very strong argument, as the court did, that it is in violation of the Civil Rights Act, too, which makes it a, a you know, illegal federally to discriminate on the basis of race. Yeah. So therefore, that's a pretty easy argument to make, I would and say. I'm, and, and I just don't see why anyone should be offended by the 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 plurality of people who object to these policies saying no what we should do is actually help people who are in genuine distress and genuine need who actually i think need it's a actually a majority up. and not even a plurality no it's, it's a, a majority yeah. and then also like it rarely comes up in the first three paragraphs of a news story but the principle at play here is not i want the whites to win it's no. <laughs> I want the Asians to win. Yeah, some of the Asians. Okay, maybe half. I want the good, smart ones yeah. to keep making awesome things. Uh, yeah. No, it's equality under the law. That. It really is equality <laughs> mm-hmm. under the law. That like it's well, that's animating. Yeah, like like fucking John Roberts has a boner, and I'm sorry to make that. Uh, visual <laughs> image in all our minds, but like his eyes are all bright, about, well. and he's fucking got a boner yeah. about equality under the law. He does. He has a history of writing about this. He's really. I have an equality boner. <laughs> I mean, it is stiff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I just stopped myself. I, I mean, what there. you really do have to go find, <laughs> go find the um, the Nation story, which has been making the rounds today. The title of which is Asian American Conservatives uh, Become Key Allies of White Supremacy. Um, they're also they're not, not conservatives. fucking conservatives. Yeah, they're not. But, Good but the, image, the image at the top of this, uh, at the top of this <laughs> yeah, story is a picture of a group of people holding signs that have grotesque, racist slogans like, fix K through 12, do not scapegoat Asians. Oh my or, God. Diversity doesn't equal yeah. skin color. I mean... I guess it's okay to scapegoat <laughs> Asians and those people are bad when they're not getting beaten up. When they're getting beaten up, it's that's terrible. Wow! But when they're saying don't scapegoat Asians for um, no, like I mean, like uh, stop Asian hate yeah. stuff. You, I'm sure you could find plenty of things on the Nation magazine, a website saying this is a huge problem. Yeah. And uh, stop scapegoating Asians. And then someone has a stop scapegoating Asian sign <laughs> when it comes to education policy. And they're like, look at this fucking white supremacist. <laughs> one, one woman. <laughs> what a weird crazy. world we live one in. One woman is it's holding a sign that says, I'm Asian American. I have a dream too. Unbelievable racism. Yeah. That is wow. white supremacy. Yeah. These are the allies you just of white supremacy. Too, which I thought was pretty impressive. <laughs> I did that really fast. Like it's just so, so incredibly <laughs> stupid. Um, so it is incredibly, yeah. incredibly week stupid. two hasn't gotten yeah. any better. Um, but you, you yeah. still lost. So there, there you go. Um, it's, it's a little late right. for me. I've been up since me too. I gotta, get, I don't I know. Get, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know what's happening. We're going to, we're going to wrap this I up tonight. Uh, we are going to record on Sunday with our members. Only Second crew. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will Second find day, out the time only. and that will All be, that will be live. <laughs> 
and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and we'll talk to you guys. We, we, sometimes we don't talk. No, to we're going to talk to you. Next time. Time. We just we're going to talk to you because you're you're we're fucking on the <laughs> you're like, uh, What Rush album is your favorite? I'm like, come on. Dude, so when you play Magic the Gathering, twenty one twelve, but the MTG was actually Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah. and not Magic. The you've got, <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to you've got to be a paid subscriber on the We the Fifth Substack. So if you're not, exactly. be that, and then you will find out what time we're doing this and when. And I will tell you that it is possible that we will have a very exciting, wonderful guest uh, next week when we record. Um, so that could happen, or it could just be remarkable and it would, it will be us being remarkable. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think we may have a wonderful, exciting guest. It would be pretty good. Could be. Yeah. Could be. So that's about it. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. Come